Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is July 14th. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at reviewingthebrew.com. And Matt, it's our favorite time of year, isn't it? July, it everything going on, trade yeah. deadline, all-star game, and the draft. Yeah, all-star game. By the way, just real quick, plug Joey Weimer making the Futures game today as a replacement. Boom. Three representatives for the Brewers, which... I, I don't know when the last time that would have been, that that would have happened. If yeah, ever. I, I cannot think of it. I know we've had you know a couple before, but for the past few years, it's been like one and like right. barely. Because they're like, that. yeah, we feel bad. They should get a representative and put him in there. But now there's legit talent in there. And Jackson Churia, oh, man. <laughs> I am excited for that. Yeah. That is going to be good. Um, but also, you know, I think – the Futures game is right before the draft, if I'm remember. Yeah, it's, it's right before the draft. And then that night we got the first round of the MLB draft. I think the first couple of rounds, first one or two. And so we need to talk about the draft. The draft is coming up. It's this weekend here. And so I thought, okay, I should have a draft expert come on the pod. So I called up good friend, friend of the podcast, Dan Zielinski, Founder and editor in chief at Baseball Prospect Journal, Dan. Welcome back to the pod. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, guys. It's always great to talk with you guys. The day is finally here. It's a whole year of preparation. You've talked to a number of these draft prospects. You you put out so much content over there at Baseball Prospect Journal, and the big day has finally arrived. You feeling good? You you feeling ready? Prepared? You feeling psyched? Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, it's hard to believe draft day is already here. Like you mentioned, interviewed 77 of these top guys. And I think this year's draft compared to even the last couple of years, there's going to be a lot of chaos. There's just so much parity among some of these prospects and so much unknowns with some of these injured college pitchers. That I think it's going to be a wild first couple of rounds for sure. Definitely. Do you yeah. see this first round this year? being like any more college heavy than usual, any more high school heavy than usual? How, like, what's the outlook kind of? I think in general, it seems like the last few years, maybe even five or so years, the first couple of rounds of the draft have definitely skewed a little bit more college heavy. And I think even though you're going to see some of these top high school guys go right away in the first few picks, I think overall the first round is going to be pretty college heavy. Teams just prefer that avenue these last few years it's a little bit more predictable you kind of know what you're getting players are more mature and you just have more information and data on college guys compared to the high school guys yeah i mean that all those you know extra years of experience it certainly helps but then also when your dad is andrew jones or your dad is matt holiday or your dad is carl crawford that also kind of does seem to help uh, with some of these guys as we've seen in recent years Definitely. I mean, I don't remember the last time there's been this many bloodlines, especially close to the top of the draft with Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday in the mix to go 1-1, and then Justin Crawford, potentially a top 10-15 pick. So, and even Elijah Green, his dad, he's a prep outfielder from Florida. His dad was a NFL tight end. So there's a lot of interesting bloodlines kind of family relationships. So yeah, I don't remember the last time there's been this many of that uh, in the draft, especially early on in the draft. 
Yeah, and there's been success in a lot of these uh, bloodlines lately, mainly looking at Fernando Tetis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. And you know, all these other guys like, wait a minute, they're pretty much a lot like their dads, especially Vladdy Jr. I mean, that's insane. It's like, it, it seems like almost like, okay, let's try to recreate that. Oh, look, Andrew Jones Jr. Oh, look, Matt Holiday Jr. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's like, hey, well, I mean, if his dad taught him how to play, he's good. Well, Drew Jones, too, especially. I mean, high school outfielder, he's 6'4, 180 pounds big physical guy but he looks exactly like his dad in terms of the way he plays the game really strong defensively speed really strong arms gonna stay in center field long term and then hits for power and average and all that kind of reminds me of Andrew Jones when he was in his prime making all-star game after all-star game so yeah fun draft can't believe it's only a few days away but definitely it's gonna be interesting to watch see how this first round plays out yeah, and the Brewers are going to have to sit there and watch as it plays out. They're picking 27, so they're pretty far down the line there. And that's what makes it so difficult for mock drafts and, uh, you know, just kind of all of us, you know, looking at the draft itself. It's like, oh, who are the Brewers going to take? You got no – like, it's so hard to really know because all of it really depends on how that board falls. And when you're picking 27th versus when you're picking 10th, you don't have as good of an idea as to who's going to be there on the board. Exactly. And the Brewers picking 27th this year, they're kind of used to picking towards the back half of their first round in recent years. But it seems like again, this year, like the last few years, they're really eyeing up the college guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go. They're connected to a bunch of college outfielders and that's an area they picked Garrett Mitchell a couple of years ago, picked Sal Freelick last year. So the Brewers definitely have an MO when it comes to the draft. They prefer up the middle guys who have a proven track record, higher floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling, and definitely the college performers, something they tend to prefer early on in drafts. And it sounds like this year they're going to go kind of that avenue again. And, you know, for those, a lot of people, you know, maybe unfamiliar with, you know, MLB draft versus NFL draft, which, you know, has been highly publicized, you know, you can find results everywhere, you know, how, you know, kind of things go for teams. Um, teams can draft for need in a lot of those sports, not just in NFL, but in NBA drafts and stuff like that. For those unfamiliar with the MLB draft to hear that the Brewers have drafted all these outfielders year after year after year and could be considering to go that route again, that's not necessarily an unheard of thing in MLB. Not at all. I mean, drafting for need doesn't happen. I'm sure there's some teams that early on maybe draft for need. I doubt it, but you never know. But teams always value who's at the top of their board and signability. Those two factors outweigh what position you are or um, even if you're a high school or college guy, obviously teams prefer typically one way or the other, but it comes down to signability and where you are on a team's board. And we can look most recently at Bruce have drafted a lot of outfielders in the first rounds in recent years. And look at Corey Ray made one appearance with the Brewers fifth overall pick college outfielder was supposed to be this can't miss guy who's going to move through a farm system quickly. And I don't know if he'll ever play for the Brewers moving forward. He's just had injuries, bad luck, changed his approach for whatever reason. So 
lot of factors going to developing guys. So taking the best player available is always the smart philosophy. Yeah, it's um, – it, I mean, you really can't go wrong with it as, as much as you can with the with the best player available. I know signability kind of plays a little bit in, into some of these factors. I mean, when we've talked to some of these guys like uh, Joey Weimer, when we had him on, it's like, you know, teams are calling and talking to you, you know, asking about signing bonus things, and it's kind of a yes or no from there. That kind of pushes some guys – down the board uh, a little bit. I mean, that, that's something where it's like, how much does best player available really kind of uh, play as much of a factor? I mean, when signability is really kind of that, you know, big thing as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Signability might even outweigh best player available simply for the fact that some guys stick to a number and they don't want to budge off that. And if, especially the high school guys, if, if they don't get that price they're looking for, they're fine going to college. So you have to kind of weigh those things. Those are the conversations that have been happening for the last couple of weeks and will happen even come draft night when, say for the Brewers example, come pick 20 or something, if not sooner, area scouts will be on the phone, texting guys, calling different players, seeing, would you take this number? So it it's a fine line of, worrying about signability and best player available. And sometimes you also have to call players bluff. If they say they're only willing to sign for 3 million and you know, you can only really pay about two and a half million. Sometimes teams will call their bluff and see if it actually happens and go from there. So definitely it's all about strategy. It's, it's different from the NFL and NBA drafts where less rounds players are on the major league team or professional team right away. Whereas baseball, these guys are going to the minor leagues for a few years to develop. So definitely some factors to be considered. And that's what teams are work, working through right now. Yeah. And also in those leagues, I mean, you kind of have a bit more of a, of a hard slotting. Like there's not as much negotiation on, on signing bonuses. Is that something you'd like to see added? Like just kind of as an aside here before we get into the prospects, is that something you'd like to see added to the draft going forward just kind of you know a more of a hard slot and then we could actually push more towards a best player available strategy i actually kind of like the signing bonus i'm fine with how the signing bonus philosophy and rules are right now for baseball we talked about this but i'm all for draft pick trading i think that's where the real intrigue is and could allow teams to impact and really kind of sway their philosophy when it comes to the draft. If there's a team like the Yankees are always used, but we'll use the Yankees as an example here. The Yankees are picking at the back half of the first round and have a loaded farm system, loaded major league roster. and want to blow up their entire draft for the first overall pick. I think that adds a lot more intrigue than kind of making it more of a hard cap for picks and kind of forcing teams to pick who they want. I think that just, it can be done. I just think it'll be a whole philosophy shift if that's how the draft would ever play out with the signing bonuses. Yeah. And that, that's something that, that would probably be hard to get the players association uh, around on as well, but yeah, totally for the, the trading of draft picks and, you know, really the, the trading of draft picks would also include the trading of that signing bonus money. And that would also be incredibly valuable to a lot of these teams. We saw this a little bit ago with the Braves making a trade for the 35th overall pick. Now we, now we can trade the, the comp a round and the comp B round picks, but like, that's it. And I'm just like, why, why have just those two rounds? Like, why not just go, go with all of them? But you know, like, so, like, say you got the Brewers here picking 27th and they got a guy they really, really like that they really want, but they know he's not going to fall 
to 27. So why can't they just call up, I don't know, Oakland or something? Oakland probably wants stuff. How about you call to Oakland, you move up six or seven spots or wherever they're picking, and you know you give them something, maybe either some extra picks later on or uh, some other prospects currently in your system. Move up a few spots, get the guy you want. I agree. I think it adds more intrigue. I think the Major League Baseball has tried to increase popularity in the draft, and the draft interest has increased over the last five to ten years since I was covering it in the early teens, but – I don't think putting the draft on all-star weekend is all of a sudden going to make the draft extremely popular. I think doing something like draft pick trading is where you can get interest from these casual fans because they kind of want to see that chaos transpire throughout the draft, even though they're going to have to wait to see these guys for two, three, four years. At least it adds a little excitement instead of just running down the board, having teams pick and spending three, four hours watching it. Yeah. Yeah, And that's something big for a sport like MLB, which, you know, we've talked about before on this podcast, they struggle to market themselves properly a lot of times. And so at least they're trying something different with the draft, whether or not it's, um, you know, all-star weekend ends up being the thing that works. You know, I agree that there has been increased interest in it by fans who, you know, maybe just waited till the draft was over to figure out, you know, Oh, okay. So here's our new guys. Let's get to know them now. You know, it's fun getting to know who some of these college guys are, some of these high school guys are before it takes place. So, you know, hey, if that does finally someday lead to draft pick trading or other things that make it exciting, you know, like David said, it's something that's, you know, probably going to be a hard sell, but I'm all for it. I'm I've been over these last few years myself getting more and more into um, you know, draft picks, writing for the site kind of helps in that sense. But uh um, I, I, my interest in, in the draft has increased tons over just, you know, two, three years. So anything they can do, I think to help, you know, make things more visible to the fans has got to be a positive, right? Well, and I think too, I think it was in 2020 when major league baseball wanted to hold the draft at the college world series. And then yeah. that got all changed because of the pandemic and no college baseball season. But I think that's a smarter move than the all-star game weekend just because i feel like with the draft happening around the all-star game it just gets lost with everything else going on put it around the college world series where baseball fans are still tuning in but it can at least be the headliner one night whereas on sunday night people care but they're worried about the all-star game or they're doing something else like i i just feel like put it at the college world series where you got guys who are going to get drafted in playing in the college world series and just make it more an event that way. I think I, I like the direction baseball is going with trying to increase the interest. It's just baseball. Like you said, they don't always understand how to market themselves. And I think burying it doesn't help their cause as much as moving it to maybe the college world series could. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say before too. Like they, they had that idea. I really think they should, they should go with it. Plus it moves the draft a few weeks earlier and you know ever since they've moved it to july here you see a lot of scouts and other people just within baseball complaining it's like this messes up the whole schedule the the scouting calendar showcases for the next year it's like we're scouting for next year while we still haven't even done this year's draft and just kind of changes things around and it'd be nice to have it back in june i agree and i think it 
also hurts the players in a sense. I know some of these guys, especially the college guys, have been playing in college summer leagues like the Cape Cod League. But once a guy gets drafted and signed in late July, they don't have much time to play very many games. At least give them another month to get signed, get into the organization, kind of get their footing under them and allow them to play a little bit more games, I think would be beneficial for the players and then also free up the scouts to then get back on the road to scout for the following year. So I just, I, I don't like that they moved it back. It is what it is, but hopefully in the future, they move it back to June. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some prospects. Finally, let's talk about some of these players who the Brewers could take. And uh, you mentioned before college outfielders, uh, there've been a lot of reports that the Brewers could be looking there and going there again. There are two that really kind of catch my eye and they're both teammates at the university of Tennessee, Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck. You know, what are your thoughts on these guys? You know, is there a strong chance that one or both of them will be there for the Brewers and really kind of what are their strengths? For sure. I think, for sure, Jordan Beck is going to be there or will be kind of right in that area around 27. Drew Gilbert is getting some interest in the teens, potentially to the Oakland Athletics, I want to say at 19. So Drew Gilbert is a guy who's kind of moved upwards where Jordan Beck has maybe moved down a couple of spots. Drew Gilbert, starting with him, he's a guy who coming out of the Minnesota high school ranks, drew some draft interest coming out of high school as a pitcher and outfielder was only an outfielder at Tennessee. And he's not the biggest guy at five, nine, 185 pounds, but scouts just love this guy because of his makeup and ability on the field. He's really energetic personality players feed off his energy and want to be around that. And then on the field, he brings a lot to the table, more of a leadoff type guy, someone with some speed, left-handed hitter who drives the ball hard into the gaps and then defensively can handle center field long-term with a strong arm, covers a lot of ground with his speed. And he's a quality player. And I think if the Brewers can get him, would be lucky to get him. I think it's more realistic. Like I said, Jordan Beck will be on the board and he's a guy who at one point early on in this draft cycle in the spring was drawing some top 10 top 15 interest and he has five tool potential it's just the fact that teams are a little worried about how he swings and misses a little too much sometimes his plate discipline isn't all there he definitely has that five tool potential but just has to harness kind of that play discipline and have a better understanding of breaking pitches and being able to hit the high fastball. So I like both guys. I think both guys are some of the better college players in this year's draft. And it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like Drew Gilbert fits kind of the Brewers mold and idea more than Jordan Beck, just because the Brewers have gone with guys like a Sal Free, like a Garrett Mitchell, even a Tyler Black, who was a second baseman last year. Guys who put the ball in play, hit it hard, and don't have necessarily a ton of question marks offensively. Still work to do, but I feel like Drew Gilbert kind of aligns more with their philosophy than Jordan Beck does. Yeah, Beck almost fits the situation, though, of a Garrett Mitchell or a Freelick in that they were both originally ranked pretty high. And then the Brewers end up getting, you know, Mitchell down at uh, uh, 20, 20. I was switching 20 and 15. Um, and then uh, uh, um, sell Freelick after that. So 
Um, not not similar in their makeups, obviously, right. but um, they were that's they were able to take advantage of that situation for a couple of years now. They have been, and one name that I know has been linked to the Brewers and a guy I think the Brewers would be smart to draft if he's available is Chase DeLauder, the outfielder from James Madison. He's a guy I thought coming into the year could be a top 10, maybe five pick, and suffered an injury in April, sliding into second base. But 6'4", 235 pounds, a left-handed hitter, really has some makings of being a middle-of-the-order hitter. And obviously, it was at a smaller school, James Madison, hit over 400 this year when he was healthy, but he had a series against Florida state who has a lot of quality pitchers, some guys who are eligible for this year's draft and just had a so-so weekend. So some scouts got a little taken back by that. And then the injury as well. So I think the Brewers overall, whether it's the or Beck or even Gilbert, because I think if Gilbert falls there, it'd be a little bit surprising. The Brewers are going to get a quality player if they go the college outfield route. Yeah, there, there are certainly a couple guys there. I've seen, you know, Delauder. I think I've, you know, I've seen a couple just kind of with concerns about, you know, that hit tool there. I mean, the the Florida State series, I mean, that was, I think, was it Parker Messick that he faced down there? And I think he, like, struck out, like, three or four times against them. It's like, hmm, but, yeah, he's got the – there's there's a small school concerns, but the Brewers really kind of historically haven't been super – shy shying away from small school guys i mean they did take tyler black last year and he was a small school guy as well yeah tyler black was from wright state and then sal freelick even though he was at boston college i mean boston college isn't known as a baseball hotbed pumping out talent and he developed and had some attributes that the brewers really liked i think for chase delauder even though I can understand the worry against Florida State. He did perform pretty well in the Cape Cod League with a wood bat, which I think has some value. Usually going up against quality pitchers in the Cape Cod League, it's a top summer league for college players. So, And he hit 298 there with nine home runs. So I understand the concern, but I think at 27, if you can get a guy who's got five-tool potential, middle-of-the-order potential bet as well. I think you have to jump on that and take that and hope that your development system can kind of work out some of those kinks and just make them a little bit more disciplined of a hitter. I don't know. Matt, do the Brewers have a good history of uh, helping their hit tool development? Uh, it <laughs> Since Jonathan Lucroy? No. <laughs> I, I, that's the last good high – uh, draft pick hitter I can think of who were, we were having this conversation on Twitter the other day. And yeah. I think that's what settled their last decent hitter out of the draft came from. And that's uh that's going back a ways. So uh, yeah, that, like, like that's the only thing that really kind of concerns me. It's like, like, yes, like he may need like a little bit of a, of adjustment, but are the brewers going to be able to do that with pitchers? I trust them to, mm-hmm. to make whatever adjustments necessary, put them in the pitching lab. I don't know if they have a, a hitting lab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't think of the Brewers' lack of success developing hitters in recent years. I mean, even if you look at guys like Trent Grisham who are out of the system, I mean, he's not that great of a hitter either. And and uh, he didn't do well until he like I think he finally yeah. ditched the adjustment they made him do with the with the grip yeah. uh, that he had. And then also, I mean, I think the biggest thing is Keston. Keston oh. Hero went from like a seventy grade hit tool 
And now he strikes out 45% of the time. Yeah, I mean, I remember talking to one scout before the draft, and they told me he can either be a 320 hitter or he can hit 25, 30 home runs, but you're not going to get both at the same time. And I don't know if it's the Brewers' development or if it's Keston kind of changing his philosophy and trying to hit for more power that's caused the average and to go down, strikeouts to go up. But, yeah, he's definitely a concerning guy. I just think for the Brewers, where they're at, 27th, if you want to – if you want to take a chance a little bit on someone and have a higher upside than maybe a guy like a Drew Gilbert or even a Jordan Beck, I think the Lauder is your guy. Cause the Brewers in the last couple of years, I feel like have kind of played it a little safer and maybe haven't taken guys with huge upside like some other teams do early on in drafts. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I still think they're probably going to go the college route, regardless of if it's a position player or pitcher, but um yeah, we'll see what they end up doing come Sunday. Another outfielder I've seen in this uh, range is Florida's Sterling Thompson. Uh, what can you tell me about him and whether he might be a, a good fit for the organization? Yeah, Sterling is a guy who has kind of broke onto the scene a little bit this year. He did have um, some success in previous years, but Sterling's a guy who is definitely more hit over power at this point. He's 6'4". 200 pounds left-handed hitter and definitely has some, some position versatility as well. Can play the corner outfield spot, can play third base. So that's something the Brewers value. And I think definitely will help Sterling Thompson when it comes to the draft. He he's a guy who coming into the year was maybe considered a top five round guy and then really broke out this spring for Florida and was really Florida's best hitter, even in a lineup that featured Judge. Judd Fabian, who draft fans would at least recognize from the last couple of years he's been in the mix. But Sterling Thompson hit 354 with 11 home runs and definitely showed some decent plate discipline, struck out just a little bit more than he walked. So I think if the Brewers could get him, he would definitely be a solid get. He's not a sexy player by any means. He has a higher floor than he probably does having that huge, massive ceiling. But it kind of is a Brewers pick, even though he's not an up the middle player. It it reminds me of what they've done in the last couple of years with a with a Garrett Mitchell, with a Freelick, with a Black, where it's going with that proven college performer who is just consistent and gets the job done offensively. So I think he'll definitely be in the Brewers kind of range in the late twenties, and he could be on the board when the Brewers pick. I I see a little bit when you mentioned Garrett Mitchell, I see a, a little bit of that same aspect of they think he has the power it just hasn't necessarily fully translated into games that was the same book that they wrote on Garrett Mitchell and it's kind of continued to be that way he still hasn't really busted out granted he's been injured a lot um, so he hasn't had the chance to either uh, but that's another story um, is does he have any more of a chance to potentially tap into that than a Mitchell would and if he doesn't would his kit hit tool be able to carry him uh, regardless yeah I think to answer kind of both those questions in one, I think his hit tool is going to be what carries him, but I think there's definitely room for more power. His frame suggests that. I mean, he's only 200 pounds at 6'3", 6'4". He definitely has some room to add muscle. And I like his swing overall. So I think you're definitely getting a guy who could hit 20, 25 home runs in the major leagues. It's just a matter of him developing physically and also 
not changing his swing too much to the point where he suffers when it comes to average too for that power. Yeah, it's it's always a, a delicate balance to, yeah. to try to go between hitting for hitting for average, hitting for power, trying to add power, not subtract too much average. And you know, there's there's a long string, you know, of of guys who have kind of fallen into that uh, trap. Uh, one other outfielder I want to talk about here. I'm not sure if he's going to be there. I've, I think I've seen him in most mock drafts. He goes much higher, but he, he's still kind of mentioned as an option in the mix. And that's Dylan Beavers uh, from California. Is he someone that, that you think could fall there, or is he going off the board far before the Brewers pick? No, I think he definitely could be in the mix. He, he's got a wide range when it comes to um, the draft. It's either early 20s or kind of around to the Brewers pick at 27. But I like Dylan Beavers as well. He's not necessarily the up-the-middle player the Brewers have drafted in recent years, even though I think he can handle center field long-term he's probably better suited in right field guys six four two oh six and a left-handed hitter so similar kind of profile is the lauder and five tool potential again he hits for some average hits for a lot of power too and i just think overall he's gonna be another one of those quality college performers that has a proven track record of success he's done it at a high level whether it's in college or in the summer and it's going to give you a lot to offer when it comes to just his overall game. I think the biggest concern with Beavers is that he's more of power over a hit and it's how much do you think he can kind of contain his swing and miss a little bit and tighten up his zone and just drive the ball hard and hit it into the gaps instead of always kind of maybe going for a little bit more home run hitting than for hitting for contact and putting the ball in play. Um, so if the Brewers don't end up following this outfield trend, they could always follow the trend of just, you know, leaning into that strong pitching and developing yeah. that strong pitching. Um, David had written an article about a few Wisconsin guys, like homegrown Wisconsin guys who um, could potentially get drafted by the Brewers. And one of them is a kind of a first rounds ranking right around where the Brewers pick in Connor Prelip. I hope I uh, pronounced that correct. I believe you did a write up on him as well, Dan. Um, is there a chance that uh, Brewers stay at home and bring him into the fold? I definitely think he'd be an intriguing guy if he's on the board. It's so hard to peg where Prelip is going to go because he hasn't pitched since his freshman year in 2020. And in his freshman year at Alabama, he shut down college hitters. Season was cut short due to the pandemic. And then he comes back his sophomore year, doesn't pitch, has Tommy John surgery, and then is out all this year has thrown some bullpen sessions for teams, things like that. But there's a lot to like about prelip, whether it's with his fastball slider combination or just overall potential, his slider might be the best pitch out of any pitch in this year's draft class. It's just a devastating pitch and definitely going to get strikeouts. His fastball sits mid nineties. Definitely. I think could be a pitch that touches the high nineties once he's in a professional development system and he attacks the zone and doesn't really walk a lot of guys. Like there's a lot to like about him. He could be a frontline starter. It's just his injury history. Teams really haven't seen him pitch a whole lot. He was up in Northern part of Wisconsin, I believe, and didn't face great competition either there. So the track record on prelip isn't extensive, but 
a team is going to pay up for him and get him somewhere in the first round. It's going to be interesting to see because I don't know what his dollar figure is for signing bonus, but I could see him going to the Braves in the first round who just acquired the comp A pick and have a lot of money to spend. I could see even maybe a team like the Mets in the earlier part of the first round drafting him because they have to first round picks and even maybe a team pushing him down to the comp a so his kind of range is a little wide it is with a lot of these guys who are coming off injuries from the college side but prelip i definitely think would be a good pick for the brewers and definitely could be someone that they could develop into a number one number two type starter in the major leagues in a few years and a pitcher, you know, with uh, some injury concerns going to the Mets. Oh, I don't know. This could be a, a repeat of last year. I don't know if they want to go that route um, to kind of naturally segue here into Kumar Rocker. Kumar is back on the uh, on the board this year after not signing last year. He's playing independent ball in the in the Frontier League. Seems to be pitching well. But it also seems like kind of no one really knows where he's going to go in the draft. We know he's a top 10 talent. He was a top 10 pick last year. Um, but what's your sense of where he's going to go? And, I mean, obviously, like, we know everything about, you know, Rocker. We know he's got the stuff. We know he's got the ability. Um, but what's your sense of kind of, like, you know, where he where he's at and, and where he could be going and if he could end up falling into the laps of the Brewers at 27? There's a chance he could be there for the Brewers. It's just with Rocker, he's the biggest wild card in this year's draft. He's coming off. Obviously, he's been eligible twice for the draft, once out of high school, once out of Vanderbilt last year. Like you mentioned, doesn't sign with the Mets, has a minor scope on his right arm, his shoulder issue in the fall, I want to believe, last year. So Rocker is a wild card. And even though he's pitched well in the Frontier League and is – four or five starts he made there teams are still a little skeptical about his injury history and wonder, can he be a starter long-term? Can he handle that workload? I think he's got a number of suitors as well, just like with prelip. I think a team like the Braves could step up and pay him the money that he's seeking. He's not a guy who's going to get the $6 million he was offered last year, but I think he's still going to go for over slot and, the Rockies have money to spend. The Orioles have money to spend and the Braves have money to spend. So I think he could be in the Brewers range and he definitely offers a lot of upside. If it was me personally, I would try him out as a starter. Still. I just think with his fastball slider combination, that's just a deadly offering and opposing hitters have struggled with his fastball slider for many years. And while he still needs to do a better job of getting more swings and misses in the strike zone with his fastball, it's still a high nineties fastball. So I think worst case scenario, he's a late inning reliever or a multi inning reliever in the future. And what I'm really curious to see, not only about where he goes in the draft, whether that's if he doesn't go to those teams with the money angels could be a possibility. Angels are always looking for pitchers and, I think should kick the tires on rocker, but is will a team pitch him out of a bullpen later this year when it comes closer to the postseason? If that team is in contention, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think rocker has too much to prove in the minor leagues. Sure. He has to build up his endurance a little more. Sure. He maybe could refine some of his pitches to develop more swings and misses in the strike zone. But I think rocker 
is pretty close to major league ready. If you're in contention and want a guy who's can handle some high leverage innings come postseason time or down the stretch. You know, that worst so, case scenario you just described uh, just sounded to me like Josh Hader. Uh, so, you know, I will take that with the 27th overall pick in the draft. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And, and Rocker's 6'5", 245. The guy is a big physical dude on the mound. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I would still try him as a starter long-term. But if I'm the Brewers, we know Mark Antanasio is cheap. He's not going to spend <laughs> big in free agency or come to trade deadline. If you can get a guy who, when healthy, has ace potential in the starting rotation or could be a closeout dynamite-type reliever, I think you have to take the chance on it. You just made a lot of friends among the, the listeners here <laughs> and the and the people on Brewers Twitter with <laughs> Mark Antanasio. <laughs> You're not wrong. Not wrong. Frugal. Frugal. Yeah. Frugal. Yes, that is that is the word. But um, but yeah, no, it, yeah. If if Rocker's there, I think that's almost a a dream situation for them. I mean, with, with the Brewers pitching lab, their their pitching development, you know, I I trust that they you know could be able to put him as a starter long term. But you know, I could see them putting him in putting him in that bullpen, getting him some reps and. You know, you could run him out there and they could probably get the best out of him again, provided he can maintain health. But I mean, that stuff is is right there. I mean, part of me is like the Brewers have not shown a willingness to take really much of a risk in the draft in recent years, especially early on and round. So it would definitely be out of their comfort zone a little bit. So would Prelip because of his limited track record. But I think. If it's me running a draft, you have to take some of these chances, especially when you're a small market team and can't afford to pay a lot of guys in free agency. This is where you have to take some of your chances and hope that your staff, your development team can develop these guys and get the most out of them and have them reach their ultimate potential. And for Rocker, it's extremely high. Yeah, and you're picking 27th. If you're picking 15th, maybe you go a little bit differently. Yeah, and the Brewers have been in this situation later in the first round for a lot of years now. So even though I like some guys in their farm system, they still can infuse it with some guys who have a little bit more higher ceilings than uh, some of the guys currently in their system. So it likely going to go early, but you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I think there's a chance with Rocker. It's, it's going to all come down to what he wants to get paid. I mean – the Brewers, the slot value for the pick is $2.7 million, $2.75 million. I don't think that's going to get the job done for Rocker. I think you're going to have to be closer to $4 million. So do the Brewers want to go over slot for him? They haven't showed that in the past with the way they draft. So even though I think there's a chance, I think they should take him if he's available. I think I would be shocked if come Sunday that's who end up, ends up being the pick if he's even available. But, but I mean, with, with what, with what he, uh, or with what you're saying there about with what Rocker could ask for, you know, for $4 million also, he's not going to have that much leverage, you know, because I mean, he's already been in the draft a couple of times, you know, as you were mentioning before, like using your leverage teams may have to call their bluff. Perhaps the Brewers could just call his bluff and be like, dude, you're not getting 4 million, you know, like th there's simply not the slot here. I mean, we draft you, what are you going to do? Say no and go back into the draft again next year. Like, no, that's a good point. And I, that's why I think like if the Braves, for example, don't take them at 20 or if the Angels don't take them 
take him in the teens. Um, the only team I could see pushing him down the board is the Rockies if they're really interested because they do have some picks. That's a cheap owner. <laughs> that's a cheap owner. So that's why – but they've shown a willingness to draft some pitchers in the early rounds of draft because they're not signing – free agent pitchers and frankly they struggle to even develop pitchers so that's one team I could see pushing him out of the first round maybe the Orioles but like if he's there for the Brewers there's not going to be a ton of options besides three four teams maybe in the comp a and second round who could even afford him at that point yeah it'll uh it'll be all be interesting to be to watch unfold on draft night uh Another guy I want to talk about here, uh, and this guy might be what my favorite dude and, and the guy that I really kind of want them to go for, especially if he's there, and that is Oregon State Beaver Friday night ace Cooper Jerpy. Left-handed pitcher, got a starter's arsenal. If, if he's there, if, if I'm David Stearns or if I'm Todd Johnson, I'm running up to the board to, to push that in. Yeah, I'm not as excited about Jerpy as you are. Really? Yeah, I think he's a I. The one pitcher I would really like to see the Brewers take is Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga, the big okay. right. Jerpy, I think, has some potential. He's really intriguing because of his delivery, arm slot, low three quarters, arm slot deliveries a little bit unique, but he is able to locate his pitches and throw a lot of strikes, which you don't see from that funky of a delivery. So I think there's definitely some stuff to like. I think he's more of like a number three starter in the majors someday, but if the Brewers somehow resign Corbin Burns and Woodruff in a couple of years, if you have a number three, four starter, that's all you need. So, and Peralta still around. So like Jerby, I think he's an interesting guy. And I think actually fits kind of what the Brewers like in a pitcher. And again, Worst case scenario, he's a late inning reliever and the Brewers obviously value those guys a lot. And he kind of reminds me of Hader in that sense where I could see him being that high octane late inning reliever. So Jerpy, I think is good. He's not my first option when it comes to a pitcher, but I, I could see that happening. And I think he fits what the Brewers like to do when it comes to the, the pitching development side. Yeah, I mean, with this college class, I mean, there aren't, you know, too many of the the high-octane guys or whatever ones that there were ended up getting hurt. Uh, yeah. But Jerpy, I, I think, also is kind of I – mean, I know his arm slot's a little bit different, but it also kind of seems like a little bit more of a, a similar profile to Ethan Small as mm-hmm. well. You know, he's, he doesn't have the highest upside. You know, it's, it's, more of, it's more of a high floor kind of a thing, you know, mid-back-end starter at best. Uh, got a little bit of funkiness to him, but a lot of stuff to like, you know, with – uh, the command with the pitch ability, stuff like that. And I mean, the last time the Brewers picked this late in the first round, they ended up going with Ethan small. So it's, it's, you know, just kind of somewhat with uh, I, I think there's a little bit of similarities there as well. No, I think that's a good comparison. And I think with Jerby, it's, he's got a good arsenal. I mean, it's fastball curveball change up and he throws them all well, consistent, has confidence in him. His fastball is in the low 90s, will touch mid 90s on occasion. But it's I also think also like it, small, you know, not super high velo either. Yeah, but he gets the job done and he attacks the strike zone. So 
And the analytics, I think, for the most part, are pretty good on Jerpy as well. So, again, I think he fits what the Brewers like to do, and I think he could be a guy that moves through a system rather quickly. And if the Brewers are confident that they can develop him and are fine with that delivery, I think he could be a decent pick. He's just I, – I would rather see them go for a guy with a little more upside, but I wouldn't fault them for taking Jerpy either. So if they didn't go that direction, could they go in the direction of a guy like Blade Tidwell? Um, he's actually been mocked to the Brewers by Bleacher Report, I believe it was. It's actually right at 27 on Pipeline's rankings. Um, another fast false slider guy. Um, not surprisingly, a combo that seems to be most popular with these top-rated pitchers. Go figure. Um, but actually, it seems to have a lot of uh, – pitches that seem to rate decently. What do you like about that guy? And um, is he someone the Brewers could focus on? Yeah. Tidwell was a guy that coming into the year was considered one of the best college pitchers in this year's draft class. His biggest issue was he missed the first six weeks of the season with shoulder soreness, but overall he has really big potential. If he would have pitched more than 39 innings and gotten more starts under his belt and had success, I don't even think he'd be in the Brewers range. I think he'd be going more into the teens type area. But Tidwell, I like, first off, the development program at Tennessee. Frank Anderson, the pitching coach, is a guy who is Brett Anderson's dad and former Brewer and is the guy that's – legend. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you want to phrase it. Um, (laughs) Frank Anderson's developed a lot of pitchers for pro ball has been around the game for a long time. I really like his philosophy when it comes to pitching. And I think uh, the program there overall is really good. Tidwell, like you guys mentioned above average fastball slider combination and his changeup is a developing pitch. His slider is also um, really kind of his go-to offering, but overall his changeup is developing and if he can get that third pitch down and consistent, he'll be a number two starter in pro ball. It's a matter of just, are you confident with his shoulder and where that's at? And do you feel like you can develop him and the Brewers have shown they can develop pitching. So I like Tidwell. I think he's, again, when we talk about these college pitchers, it all comes down to preference because Tidwell, Prelip, even Rocker, Jerpy, Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga, all are similar guys. Their profiles are slightly different, but they all have a little bit of risk Um, and there's not a lot separating them just overall. So it comes down to preference for teams, but Tidwell is a guy who could go in that second half of the first round might fall a little into the comp a or early second round, but he's definitely going to be in the Brewers range. And I, I prefer Tidwell over Jerpy. I would take Tidwell in a heartbeat over Jerpy, frankly. So I like him a lot. And I think he has a lot of upside too, as well. And the Brewers, I think can get the most out of him. I'd take either of them, to be honest. You know, I, I love both Tidwell and, and Jerpy. I mean, they're both kind of right up there um, for me. Um, there's, you know, a lot of really, really interesting pitchers, as you mentioned, all right around this range. And another one that, that's also kind of popped up, and it seems like it's been a late riser, is Cade Horton uh, from Oklahoma. You know, they finished second in the College World Series. He really had a great uh, tournament, NCAA tournament, and Horton has seemingly pushed himself into almost a solidified first rounder is he a solidified first rounder is he still kind of you know questions there I think at this point he's probably a first rounder based on the scouts I talked to like you said David his track record's 
pretty much limited. I mean, he this was his first year playing at Oklahoma, was hurt last year. And if you look at his numbers, they don't look good at all. 486 ERA got hit up a little bit throughout the regular season. But when it came time to postseason play and the College World Series, he really stepped up and carried that Oklahoma team. And there is a lot to like with Horton. He has that fastball slider combination, like we've talked about with a lot of other guys. His fastball slider combination is one of the better one-two punches with those pitches in this year's draft. It's just a matter of developing a consistent third offering, probably his curveball, and then also limited track record. But I think Horton did enough throughout the postseason play and showed his potential that a team is going to bite on him somewhere in the first round just a matter of really when I know he's been linked a lot to the Braves and that could be a possibility. He also could be a guy who goes maybe into the late teens as well. So Kate Horton, I think has done enough to solidify himself as a first rounder, definitely risk involved, but also a lot of potential too with that right-handed arm. I just one more picture that I wanted to ask about um, it, because I love a guy with a good changeup and a guy with a good changeup who's rated a little bit lower. David smiling. I feel like, were you going to ask this too, Carson Wisenhunt? Yeah, um, I, I had Carolina. him on my list. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, we we love ourselves some Devin Williams. Devin Williams has a brutal changeup, and so whenever I see one of those, it just kind of pops out on the page to me. Um, but again, you know, he's he's rated a little bit lower than where the Brewers are at. He's, he's someone that potentially they could like being a lefty as well, which is something they've invested in over the last few years uh, with some of their higher draft picks. Yeah, Carson Wisenhunt is an interesting case. Frankly, I, I think he would have been the top left-hander in this year's draft class and a top 15 potentially pick if he didn't get suspended for the entire season. And he his changeup is probably the best changeup in this year's draft class. Fastball, curveball, quality pitches, not they don't blow you away by any means. His fastball sits more low 90s, but – I think he's got really good potential. Part of me thinks that there's some other guys that the Brewers prefer better, whether that's Tidwell, Jerpy, or two names that we've talked about that I think the Brewers prefer a little bit more. But I think Carson Wisenhunt is a guy I really liked and really enjoyed interviewing and talking to him about the game. His competitiveness is really up there. And overall, I think could be a quality, maybe middle of the rotation, back end of the rotation type starter. Otherwise, again, someone that I think could get the job done in a late inning role as a reliever. But there's a lot to like with him. I think he's a guy that probably goes early second round just because there is that kind of long log jam of pitchers towards the back end of the first round. But some team is going to get a guy that could easily have been a top 15 pick had, had he performed and pitched this season. Yeah. And that's, you know, really kind of where it comes to the question of, you know, value and, you know, where you are in the draft. I mean, the, the talent is certainly there. I mean, same thing with, with rocker, as we talked about the, the talent, you know, top 10, top 15 talent clearly, but could end up falling to you later on. And, you know, that's always a good value to end up getting. Yeah. Wizen hunt was someone who I was really looking forward to seeing this year. And then of course, you know, he got, uh, busted and a suspended head of the PED suspension. He, he got like a supplement from like a Nash, like uh, probably like I think he GNC. Like he didn't say GNC. Like he didn't want to like name the brand. But it was like a, a nation, nationwide supplement 
store chain. It's like, okay, so he went to GMC uh, and got popped for it. But hey, the Brewers got uh, Pedro Severino and uh, another dude who got popped. So clearly that doesn't matter to them that, that much. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think teams are really going to be scared away by it. I think the thing that's going to scare them away is simply that they haven't really seen them pitch now in a while. But it all is going to come down to kind of weighing that risk versus the potential reward with some of these pitchers. And I think it helps Wizen Hunt and his case, frankly, that he's left-handed teams always seem to prefer left-handers over right-handers. If it's kind of a neck and neck tie when it comes to those guys. So he's going to be a guy that still goes pretty well. It just might not be in the first round this year. Yeah. There's a, he a guy though, that if you go with him versus some of the other guys, do you get him, like add or under slot or something like that based off of kind of the situation. Like maybe, you know, if he is the pick, it works out for different reasons. Yeah. I think they definitely could save a little bit of money on him because if he doesn't go to the Brewers again, a team could reach up and sign him, but he doesn't have like, he's not a guaranteed first rounder. So they definitely could save some money and then use that elsewhere come the second round or competitive balance B, which Definitely would be intriguing. It would depend on who they kind of use that savings for. But I like Wizen Hunt. I think from a talent standpoint, he has it. But if we're taking money out of it, I don't think he's necessarily in that mix right now based on the scouts I talked to with the Tidwells, Jerpies, um, even Rocker, even Gabriel Hughes. So I think he's just a half step behind those guys from a talent perspective. Yeah, and, and with Hughes, I mean, he's – I've seen a one or two mocks uh, with him going to the Brewers. I mean, he's someone – I mean, got a really good starters build, 6'4", 220, you know, right-handed pitcher. I mean, Gonzaga isn't – also isn't typically a uh, baseball powerhouse. They aren't, they aren't really known for that. It's more of a basketball school up there. But, I mean, this kid's got – you know, he's got a plus fastball. Uh, as well you know really kind of good stuff throws mid you know to upper upper 90s you know he's someone that you know with his ability to kind of you know just kind of have that kind of stuff and uh, you know show feel for some of these pitches perhaps spin the ball you know command it that sounds like a perfect fit for the Brewers pitching development program yeah I like his size like you said, 6'4", 220, and he throws a ball with ease in the mid to upper 90s. And then we've talked, again, another guy with a fastball-slider combination that's really good. So I think his changeup is there. I I spoke with Gabriel Hughes during the season. I like his makeup. I like his competitiveness. I think he's a guy who wants to work and get better. And talking to also the Gonzaga coaching staff as well, they speak very highly of Hughes and talk about how he's made – a lot of strides in their program. Gonzaga's got a few guys this year that are going to get drafted early from their pitching staff. And Hughes is definitely the headliner in there, but I like his size. I kind of, I kind of think of him from a size fastball standpoint as kind of a Woodruff type pitcher, someone who's I'll big, take that. likes yeah. to overpower guys. And I think it's a guy who could, again, move through a farm system quickly. His changeup does need a little work, but a lot of pitchers, their changeup needs work, but I think overall in the Brewers development system for pitchers, this is a guy who could have a lot of success and be a number two, number three starter down the line. Matt, would you take a second Brandon Woodruff in this organization? <laughs> I'd take a second and a third Brandon Woodruff if we could get yeah. him. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds, 
Sounds good to me. I am sold. I am sold on Gabriel Hughes. That is all you had to say, Dan. That's all I needed. Lock it in. Um, we, so we talked a lot about off outfield guys. We talked a lot about pitching guys because that's who we're used to the Brewers taking, uh, in those upper kind of rounds. Are there any, uh, guys outside of that scope? Um, you've got a Peyton Graham that's kind of right around that area, a Caden Wallace around that kind of area, any of those, uh, types of guys from other positions that you would potentially like for the Brewers. Yeah, in terms of a Caden Wallace, I see him more as a second rounder. I I would not be excited if I was a Brewers fan if he's your first round pick, unless they save money and grab someone in the second round. But if we're just looking at the player, I think he's a quality player and will be or has a chance to be a starter at the major league level. I just don't see the upside as much with him. And Peyton Graham's an interesting case because overall – he really has a tool set could be kind of almost a five tool guy. And he played third base his first couple of years at Oklahoma played shortstop this year hits for power has speed has above average arm strength. Biggest concern with him is swinging and miss, especially early on this spring, he was expanding the zone a lot and swinging at pitches outside the zone. Wasn't really making that consistent contact you want to see he improved on that throughout the year and definitely was locked in when the postseason started but Peyton Graham I think is a quality player I just I I would prefer some of the outfielders we talked about over Peyton Graham just because it always kind of concerns me when you get some some of these guys who are big swing and miss uh, in college or high school in the first round and there's a that's something that's definitely been a problem within the Brewers organization. So if you can get a guy who doesn't strike out that much, that would be, that would be great. Um, I, I want to talk a couple of the, there are two high school names I, I want to kind of talk about here and mention, because I've seen them. I've seen one a couple of times connected to the Brewers and this other one I just saw MLB pipeline uh, just put out another recent mock draft and they had uh, left-handed pitcher Jackson Ferris out of IMG Academy in Florida going to the Brewers at 27. You know, he's ranked a little bit higher. So, you know, that might be, you know, him falling a little bit more. Um, but if, if a high school arm like Ferris falls into Milwaukee's lap there at 27, is that someone that the Brewers could go for? Or are they, you know, thinking pretty strongly college or, uh, you know, what, what could Ferris bring if he's there? Yeah, I mean, the Brewers haven't taken a high school pitcher since Cody Madero's, I want to say. And that was the worst pick of all time. It was. <laughs> you, you got me going. You, right in front of college shortstop Trey Turner, future multi, multiple-time yep. all-star Trey yep. Turner, high school pitcher. Ugh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, the Brewers just haven't shown a willingness to go the high school route in numerous years. I know 2014, there was a different regime than there is now, but even if you look at the Brewers, second, third, fourth round picks, it's usually typically college guys that go college heavy. And every year, I think this could be the year the Brewers take a prep guy and they haven't the last couple of years. So I won't believe it till I see it. But in terms of the player, Jackson Ferris is a guy who is at IMG Academy, top high school Academy for baseball and he he performed overall i mean at times he got hit up and touched a little more than scouts wanted to see 
but from a skill set standpoint, 6'4", 195 from the left-hand side, I know scouts that I talked to were drooling over that, and then you throw in his fastball, curveball, changeup, all at least average to above-average pitches. Fastball sits mid-90s. His changeup is solid pitch for a high school guy. And his curveball is a put-away pitch. So I think he's a guy who could be like a number two, number three starter in pro ball. And I, I think he's one of the best high school pitchers in this year's draft class. It's just a matter of will the Brewers take a high school player or will they even take a high school pitcher for that matter? And again, I, I don't want to say there's no chance, but it's just with the Brewers philosophy the last few years, it's hard to imagine them taking a high school pitcher in the first round. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see that in the mock, but I just wanted to to bring it up and uh, get your thoughts on it. And, and one hitter, one high school hitter that they've been connected to uh, a couple of times. I haven't seen them like actually like pull the trigger and take him in a mock, but they always mention him. And that's Tucker Toman, uh, third baseman from uh, South Carolina. Switch hitter uh, seems to have a, a pretty good hit tool. Um, overall, some pop committed to LSU. The Brewers love stealing LSU commits. Bryce Terang was an LSU t- uh, commit. Um, but what, what about Tucker Toman? Do you think he could be a guy they take at 27, maybe try to do like a, an underslot deal with him? Yeah, Toman is definitely kind of in the Brewers' range. He's a guy that's getting some late first-round interest, whether that's from the White Sox. Brewers have been connected to him a little bit. And He's a guy who definitely will play third base. Maybe could bounce around and play second base or first base or maybe a corner outfield spot. He's got some ability to play one of those positions. I think he's probably better suited at third base just because of his athleticism. It's not doesn't jump off the page. It's, it's fine. It's nothing special. But he's definitely known more for his offensive ability. Like you said, a switch hitter. Hits for some power and definitely hits for average as well. Just makes easy contact and is able to drive the ball to all parts of the field. And that's what you're really going to be drafting him for is his offensive ability. And you'll kind of figure out the defensive spot later. Still think it's third base, but I think teams could try him at a few different positions. I also like that his dad's the head coach at middle Tennessee state. I always think when you can get guys who have been around the game for a long time and kind of grown up in that development system, I think that's a benefit. So I think Tolman's definitely in their range. If, if they do go a high school hitter, I think he's definitely a guy they could pick one name that they were connected to a little bit early on in the draft cycle, but I think could be off the board by the time they pick is jet Williams as well. A high school shortstop from texas who i really like i don't think he'll make it to the brewers but the brewers have been connected to to some high school hitters and i i would i could see that happening more than i could see a high school pitcher that's for sure and and with those guys you you want to get the guys i assume with that do already have the pretty highly developed hit tools um since it's that'd be something that's just a little bit harder to develop as you go and you look at a guy like bryce terang who was a decent hitter and he's shown that as each level that he goes up, even if he has a little bit of a slow start, he generally figures things out pretty quickly with both of those guys. Do you see that hit tool really being able to carry through for them and um, make them that available as a high school pick? 
Yeah, I do. I think that's really key with these high school hitters is that hit tool. The power is going to come as these 17, 18 year olds physically mature. I'm not too worried about power when it comes to high school guys. Obviously you want to see it or be able to kind of dream on it a little bit, but I think the ability to drive the ball to the gaps, make clean, consistent contact, have a good swing, all outweigh that power. You want to see it from the high school guys, because I can think of high school hitters who had those swing and miss concerns and have just fizzled out or not really developed like teams thought they would. One that stands out is Joe Adele a few years back when the Angels took him, the Brewers were connected to him. I want to say that was when they took Kesson Hira. And um, he's a guy, I loved his potential. I thought he could be a five-tool guy, but there's always those swing and miss concerns. And those swing and miss concerns haven't gone anywhere. They're still around. So usually that's the case. It's hard to retrain hitters to tighten up their zone, to improve their plate discipline. And if a high school guy has that, I think that's something you jump over and then hope the power comes later. Yeah. I mean, that, that also kind of reminds me of the guys like uh, Jake Gatewood and uh, Monty Harrison and Clint Coulter and uh, Victor Roach and the other high school hitters that the Brewers have drafted over the years with hit tool concerns that they drafted anyways, but the Brewers poor draft history aside. Uh, so um, just kind of, you know, to, to kind of wrap this thing up, if you're Todd Johnson, if you're David Stearns heading into draft night, what is your dream scenario? What is your best case scenario? I can't believe this guy's still on the board outside of, you know, your Drew Jones and Jackson holidays, because they're not going to be there. But what, what is your dream best case scenario for the Brewers at 27? I think something that's really realistic, and we've talked about him a lot, is Chase DeLauder. I, I like his potential a lot. I think he's got that 5 tool potential. I think if he was at any Power 5 program, we're talking about a top 15 pick. Obviously, some concerns – Minor concerns, I think to me, they're a little bit more nitpicky than actual concerns just about his swing and miss at times. The guy still hit for average, still puts the ball in play, and really is a guy who can play center field long term. I think that's a realistic option for the Brewers, and I think someone Brewer fans should be excited about because you're getting a guy who has potentially five-tool power. I mean, it would be great to see some of these other guys fall down the boards, a Zach Nato, a shortstop from Campbell or Jet Williams, a shortstop, the prep shortstop from Texas. I think those guys would be really good picks. I think it's just hard to imagine that happening. But like we've talked about early on in this podcast is that there's going to be some chaos in this year's draft. We're going to see some of these pitchers go maybe earlier or in different spots than we initially anticipated. So there's a lot that could happen in this year's draft. It's hard to predict the back half of the first round. It always is, but this year it really is difficult to see who could be available, but I like Chase DeLauder. I think going with a quality college outfielder who has a lot of tools and can be that up the middle player is something that the Brewers have shown they like, and I think could be a good fit for their system. Um, Only question I had, uh, Number one overall, is Drew Jones the guy, or do you think it's someone else? I think it's Drew Jones. If they don't go Drew Jones, it's going to be Johnson, the prep, second baseman, shortstop from Georgia. I think if they want to save a little money and still get a real high-end prep player, Johnson could be the pick just because of his smooth swing and hitting ability. But I think Drew Jones is the odds-on favorite to be picked there. 
Yeah, it sounds like the Orioles, though, trying to cut a cut a deal a little bit, you know, lower. You know, Colton Kowser wasn't supposed to be number five overall. Heston Kerstad wasn't supposed to be number two overall, but yet there they went. I mean, they're still kind of, you know, like around that range, but they weren't supposed to be quite that high, and they end up doing it. It's The Baltimore Orioles can just throw everything into chaos with pick one, and it's going to be great. Last year, it was the Royals at seven with Frank Mazzucato. That was a time. Yeah, that was that was a surprising pick, definitely. And I think the Royals are still a wild card this year just because they've had a an interesting, might not be the right word, but draft philosophy in recent years. They've really stocked up on pitchers the last few drafts. And I think they could go that way, maybe with a prelip there in the first round. But they're kind of an unknown on what direction they're going to go. So it wouldn't shock me again if they do something crazy like a Mazzucato this year and take someone who's kind of not in that top 10 radar and pick them early, pay them and maybe save some money for the later rounds. Like, like I said, there's a lot of guys who are kind of in that same group in terms of parity when it comes to talking to scouts, some scouts prefer this player over the other while a different scout prefers the player that was lower for the other scout above that one guy. So it's going to be interesting to watch. And I think there's, like I keep saying, going to be some chaos when it comes to this year's draft. We are all about the chaos. It's going to be chaos at the draft. It's going to be chaos at the trade deadline. So much chaos. We're going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. Dan Zielinski, founder and editor-in-chief at Baseball Prospect Journal. Thank you so much, man, for, for coming back on the pod, talking some draft with us. And I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm excited for the draft. It's great always talking to you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. We'll be back next week. We're going to you know, wrap up the draft and uh, talk about how the Brewers did and who they got, and uh, it's going uh, to be a good time. Looking forward to it. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.